Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. We are starting our new season, doing summer of 2020. I'm excited that you are here with us today, whether this is your first time or you've listened to an episode or two, or if you have been listening to all the episodes from the beginning in spring. Spring, as you know, was the season of listening and staying curious. We went over two series. The first one, how to ask better questions, and the second one was on point of view. This summer, it's increasing our vulnerability. Jimmy, I see a triangle in front of me. I, I recognize the triangle. I love the book. How is this book? Why are we even talking about this book in this season of increasing our vulnerability? Well, the triangle is about a lot of things. I think um, you know. I'm going to highly recommend. I'm going to. I'm going to throw this out here now without having talked to you about it. Um, I'm going to highly recommend that everyone buy the book for the summer, The Five Dysfunctions of the Team, yeah. and, and read it. Um, and Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead. So if you're looking for your summer reading, I know we, we kind of a little bit into summer at this point, uh, but it's not too late. Pick these up while you're hanging out at the pool or while you're hanging out at the beach or you're hanging out in your backyard. So... The Five Dysfunctions of a Team tells it basically in a story form. So there's a company that is not doing well because uh, it just doesn't have a good culture. It doesn't have a good culture at its business. People don't really like Morale each other. Morale is down. Morale is down. Uh, they're not performing. They're, the company is like in trouble. Mm-hmm. All right, so they bring in a consultant. And I think they originally think the consultant is going to focus on just making them more productive. It's going to teach them techniques and tips and hacks and all types of stuff to just get better at their job, mm-hmm. right? And that's not what the consultant did at all. Instead, the consultant kind of tried to bring them through uh, all of these levels of the dysfunctional pyramid of the five dysfunctions of a team. And the first one that he focused on, um, was it a she in the book? The CEO? Yeah, it was a yeah. she. That uh, she focused on was, was absence of trust. That's right. It wasn't a consultant. It was a new CEO mm-hmm. that they were bringing in. That's right. Yeah. Um, was the absence of trust. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is the fear of being vulnerable of team members uh, preventing the building of trust within the team. Right. So if you're afraid of being vulnerable, and I think being vulnerable is more than just being open. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we've all uh, been open, like to use a sermon illustration. Right or to prove a point, like at one point I was going, I was this and now I'm this, mm-hmm. right? I was here, but then I learned this and now everything's better. 
Um, and it's more than being authentic. I think that's my journey on, on being vulnerable is that I, I really thought I was vulnerable, but I was just really authentic. You know, I, I, was, I was open with where I was at. But being vulnerable is really opening yourself up to potential harm. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot, lots of guts. It's going all the way in, understanding the unknown or yeah. the feedback that you're going to get. Yeah, it's not just not just being open. It's, yeah, opening yourself up to potential harm. Mm-hmm. It's like you're trusting these people by going first, yep. by saying, hey, this is something that's really uh, sensitive for me. This is mm-hmm. something that, this is near where my deepest hurts are. Mm-hmm. Right, whatever that can be. I can be really great at being authentic. This is what I think. You know, this is how I feel. But in terms of like being open and vulnerable, that's still a process that I'm going through. So absence of trust is at the bottom, and that's fundamental to everything. You kind of have to get that first. If you can't, if you can't get a, a team that trusts each other by going first, and everyone's just being vulnerable to each other, you might as well just like not even continue. Uh, and it, like we said before, it's something that has to continually be maintained and built this environment of vulnerability right and going up the triangle again we have fear of conflict the desire to preserve artificial harmony stifles the occurrence of productive ideological conflict so this kind of like a status quo this everyone's playing nice and you don't really want to disturb that right you don't really want to destroy that harmony so for the sake of you know, keeping the peace, you don't say things uh, that you might be thinking. And, uh, you know, if someone, if you disagree with somebody, it can become very personal, right? It's not just, hey, I have an ideological difference, and we're going to talk about that. It becomes more of like a fundamental disagreement. Yeah, I think that it's also a responsibility of the leader to create that safe environment. Mm-hmm. And if um, a leader doesn't do that, like I've, I've made the mistake of saying, I'm open, people could talk to me, but not really understanding that there is that fear from someone being an employee. Uh, I'm saying, hi, I'm open, I can listen to, but just the title, my title in itself could draw that separation. And as a leader, you got to understand that there is a bubble. There right. is... There is a fear, so we got to do whatever it takes to continue to build a trust. If not, people are going to um, have fear of conflict. Yeah. And if you don't allow your team to have that those healthy conversations, if the buck... How does that saying go? The buck stops here? That's... Oh, or what you talked about, King Arthur? Uh, King Arthur and uh, Knights of the Round Table. Oh, what did he say? First among equals. Yes. That's the point. Instead of... Uh, King Arthur sitting at the head of the table exactly. for his council, mm-hmm. right? He had a circular table to kind of symbolize that there's no head of this table. When we all come and we meet, right. uh, you know, we're all the I'm the first among equals. We're all equal, right. and uh, yeah, right. And so when there's an absence of that equality or that trust that the leader's responsibility is, mm-hmm. you have a group of people who avoid conflict. Yeah. And it's similar to what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus was always, you know, looking for conflict. Like mm-hmm. He was always like, who do you say I am? Mm-hmm. Who do people say I am? What about you? What about you? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, are you guys going to leave me now too? Like, you know, like, and so I think Jesus, you know, had built a lot of, a great sense of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Jesus was very open to his disciples and to being hurt by other people. He was so open that he, he gave his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think amongst his disciples, there was no fear 
of conflict. Right. Right. They all <laughs> were maybe a little bit too free with arguing with each other and, you know, debating with each other and, and trying to see like who, who's going to sit on the right Who's going to sit, <laughs> you know, closest to Jesus or, you know, like who, who can Ooh, get the... Who betrayed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. And so you have the fear of comfort. And I agree. I think the expectations for leaders should be, they should be cultivating that environment where uh, they're expecting people to disagree with them, disagree with each other. And then, you know, after that, you go out and you have a beer with each other or you have a meal with each other because it's not personal, right? It's, we're trying to just get at the root of things. And even sometimes maybe it is personal, you know, and that's, that's okay because you guys are going to talk about it. And no matter what, you guys are still going to be a family. Yeah. Right, so like some of the other stuff we've talked about when on this I hear, podcast. When I hear the word cultivate, I think about a farm. Mm-hmm. I think about someone who's, there's a word, you uh, use something, the soil. What is that word? Till? Till the soil. Till. Yep. And what is that? It's like where you're turning the soil, you're, you know, turning it up, you're moving through it, you're disturbing it. You're stirring the pot. Mm-hmm. All right? You're asking those hard questions and it takes time. It does take time. And it takes seasons. Yeah. So a leader, we, we need to know that it takes time to build trust. Saying that you create trust does not build trust. Negation yeah. acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then lack of commitment. The lack of clarity or buy-in prevents team members from making decisions they will stick to. So we might have like a really like lofty goal or really like ethereal goal that's not really defined well. It's not a smart goal. Smart goals, I think, are your favorite types of goals. What is what are smart goals again? Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time, and time. Yes, bound. realistic and time bound. Sorry, I always switch those two. <laughs> yep, very good. So smart goals, right? There's no, there's nothing smart about some of these goals. It's just, you know, we're gonna baptize more people. Or it's, you know, we're going to make 10% more revenue this quarter than we made last. We're going to make more programs for this community. We're going to make more programs. But I'm really asking what the community wants. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. It's um, I don't know what people's thoughts are on South Park. But um, I will try and attach a video clip to the show notes. It's uh, the underpants gnomes. Yes. Right? Uh, This is one of Patty's favorite things. And, you know, South Park has a way of occasionally being deep. Where it's mm-hmm. like it kind of, it kind of catches you off guard because mm-hmm. it's a comedy show. They can be highly irrelevant, but every now and then they come up with something good. And so this was kind of a commentary on corporate America and corporations. And so basically, there were these gnomes mm-hmm. that would sneak into uh, one of the boys' rooms at night, mm-hmm. and uh, they were the underpants gnomes, and they would steal <laughs> all of his underpants. And they were like, "Dude, why aren't you wearing any underpants?" He's like, "I, I can't. The gnomes keep taking them." <laughs> And nobody believes him, right? So they sleep over his house, and also one day they hear, we are the underpants gnomes, we are the gnomes, we are the... And they see these gnomes sneak into the room, they take all the underpants, and they follow the gnomes into their underground caverns. Mm. And the gnomes... To the conference room. The gnomes are having a presentation, <laughs> and the kids are like, why are you stealing all of our friends' underpants? And they're like, oh, well, glad you asked. And they had a presentation, and they had a PowerPoint... And it was like, step one, collect underpants. And they all cheered. They're like, yay. And then they were like, step two. And they kind of like mumbled something. Someone coughed. And they they moved on real quick. And they go, step three, profit. And they all go, woo. 
<laughs> and they're like, wait a minute, but what's step two? They're like, we don't know, but don't you want profit? You know? So sometimes, like, you know, we have these lofty goals, yeah. but we haven't really felt through thought through the middle part. Yeah. And the middle part is the single most important mm-hmm. part, right? It's the strategy. Yeah. The how-to. So it could be lack of clarity or it can be lack of buy-in. It could mm-hmm. just be like you walk into a room and be like, all right, guys, this is what we're doing. Exactly. This is, this is what we're, our focus is now. Okay, so uh, Jack, you're going to be in charge of this. Melinda, you're going to be in charge of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like you haven't given people a chance to buy in. Right. Right. And when there's no buy-in. There's no commitment. There, people aren't going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, because. Or they may get excited for a little bit. And Maybe just not do it. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard people like talk a lot of game in meetings, mm-hmm. and then they go out and they do nothing. Right. You know, so they don't make it happen. They don't make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, or they're they're willing to get excited about it, but don't ask them to actually. Oh, I can't Execute. do it. I can't do it though. I'm very busy. Right. You know, and I think people are very busy. You know, in their regular lives, like in their day to day lives, and it's like you know, uh, if we're not giving them a chance to buy in to whatever we're trying to do. Um, they're just not going to do it. So that's number three, lack of commitment. Yeah. And can I say something? So it's up to the leader's responsibility to make that very clear. Like, mm-hmm. what's our purpose? Step one, right? Yeah. And then two, how are we doing and why are we doing it? Yeah. Right? Instead of just saying, so we can have more numbers. Yep. And uh, I recently heard a great uh, podcast from Craig uh, Rochelle, I think he is. Um, he, he's like the, I think the CEO of Life Church. Okay. And so he basically talks about how most leaders uh, think that their purpose is to cast a vision. Mm. And that's 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 it. Mm. So it's their job to come up with the sermon. Mm-hmm. It's, their, it's their job to come up with the message. Mm-hmm. They cast a vision and then everyone else needs to get it done. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like that they can't make anyone do anything. Mm-hmm. They, they just cast the vision. And he was arguing that that's, that's naive – and that's kind of like short-sighted uh, because, you know, like you you shouldn't really expect anyone. None of us are that inspiring that we're going <laughs> to, you know, like one, one of my things Why is like. Gandhi? I remember when I, <laughs> when I first started like preaching and teaching a lot uh, in the church, mm-hmm. like I always would get disappointed uh, no matter how well the sermon went because nobody got baptized like right after. I got up there and preached. <laughs> like, you know, there were no tears. There were no, like... It's a little struggle still there. Yeah, there were, there were no <laughs> Ethiopian eunuchs being like, but there's water right here. Why not? Baptize me in the Hudson River or, you know, Satin Island Beaches. Sure, uh-huh. Yeah, and um, so it was, it was one of those things, like, where I kind of, you know, like, preaching and casting a vision isn't enough. Like, in a company, just coming in with the vision is not enough. Yeah. And I think a lot of leaders are waking up to that reality that it's not enough just to cast a vision. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was ever enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's any leader out there that was ever Jesus successful. Jesus certainly did not lead that way. Yeah. And another another great book uh, on that is From Good to Great, you know, where it's like leaders, yes, m- the best leaders, right, aren't even very inspiring. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just good at making teams. They're good at doing what basically we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And... um the lack of commitment, you know, lack of clarity or buy-in, sometimes that can be that can happen from your team. Mm-hmm. You know, like like what's what's the big issues, guys? What mm-hmm. what's the biggest thing that's, you know, getting in our way? You know, how how are we going to solve that? And that kind of creates so I do think it's up to the leaders uh, you know, to set that environment, you know, cuz I, I do think it's 
a bit unrealistic for someone under certain leadership to be the one that stands up. You know, that might not even be welcomed <laughs> in certain settings. Yeah, I mean, in different fields, accountability, like in our field, in a nonprofit, mm-hmm. accountability of children was life or death. It was uh, life it or was death, yeah. Whether you had a job or didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. Or um, also like the, you know, the health and well-being of a child. Exactly. So, you know, I, I'm going to always push back on the leader's responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us to keep the team accountable without feeling uncomfortable. And if you are feeling uncomfortable, maybe you want to ask yourself why. Maybe that, maybe like you mentioned earlier, the buy-in didn't happen, but why didn't it happen? Um, maybe you're not creating that trust yep. in your team or yeah. your ministry. In, uh, in our nonprofit world uh, or my nonprofit world, I was part of a great team. Uh, where there was a lot of buy-in and there was a lot of clarity mm-hmm. on how we we're going to get things done. And I went from that team to another team mm-hmm. where there was none of that. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of just more of just like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. It was the whole underpants gnome yeah. scenario again. Okay, first we're going to collect underpants. Mm-hmm. Then step two, we don't really know. But step three, we're going to make so much profit. We're going to be legends. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and yeah. it was like, it was maddening. Because it would just be like, hey, could we could we focus on two a little bit? Like, I understand that we're amazing, I guess. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to, like, really, like, get there? Mm-hmm. You know? So we have absence of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment. Going up, we have avoidance of accountability. The need to avoid interpersonal discomfort prevents team members from holding one another accountable for their behaviors or performance. So, again, we're trying to keep that status quo. Right, we're trying to keep the peace. Uh, we don't want to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be the person that goes to someone else and you know has to tell them something that maybe they're not going to want to hear. You know, and a lot of times people don't want to hear that either. Like you know, they, they're, it's not necessarily but welcome. There's no trust. Why would you? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yes, yeah, all stems from a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could be you know life and death in in teams. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how uh, once great companies fall mm-hmm. when people get too comfortable and they stop holding each other accountable. So, you know, as a as a leader, I think it's all it's it's important to make sure that your your people know that and and they see that. Right. You just can't say it because mm-hmm. I've been parts of teams where we said this, mm-hmm. you know, like you guys can tell me anything. You know, like I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you guys in the trenches, and that was definitely not true. <laughs> People got fired after you know trying to, you know, hold the leader accountable. Yeah, yeah. Here's a quote from Brene Brown on Dare to Lead. Uh, she said, "We need to trust to be vulnerable, and we need to be vulnerable in order to build trust." And so a little bit of background on Brene Brown. She's or she's been a researcher on guilt and shame for over twenty years. So she's speaking of her research. The research participants described trust as a, as a slow building, iterative. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I T E R A T I V E. Google. Iterative. 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 All right, and that means what, James? It says an iterative process is a process for calculating a desired result by means of a repeated cycle of operations. All right. So it says the research participants describe 
trusts as a slow building, iterative, and layer process that happens over time. Both trust building and rumbling with vulnerability involve risk. That's what makes courage hard and rare. Yeah, so I guess it's a mathematical process too. So it's something that's repeated. And every time you repeat, you get closer to the goal. Nice. So I think what she's saying is slowly over time, Mm-hmm. You're not going to get there right away. Right. But repeated attempts, you're going to. And what made you uh, think about that quote? Well, when we were right into the lack of commitment leading to avoidance of accountability, um, it, when I said many leaders avoid keeping their teams accountable mm-hmm. or keeping their ministry accountable, sure. there's fear there. Um, there's fear what maybe someone in the past has done or how maybe that church has done sure. dealt with accountability. So there's a little bit of that fear, but it's really trusting, um, allowing for you to trust your role that God has called you out to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I love this book because this book um, is a, it's a huge reminder over responsibility. And I know we're going to touch on responsibility in the fall. Um, however, why not start asking ourselves better questions as leader mm-hmm. of where we're at? Because no one has this triangle down pat. We don't have it. No, absolutely not. And I've certainly made many mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I've read this book. I got this. I'm going to go to Park Hill. I'm going to change the community. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, even just to camp out on four for a second, too, mm-hmm. avoidance of accountability. I think, you know, sometimes people can feel like, they are being held accountable and that they are holding other people accountable, but it can be like in too much of a hierarchical structure mm-hmm. where it's like if you're like an executive or a leader of a church, only other leaders of churches can hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Only other executives. You have your own circle, mm-hmm. but the people you lead, right, you're, you're there to hold them accountable. They're not necessarily there to hold you accountable. Yeah. And in the best teams that I've been a part of, like, you know, again, it was that first among equals that, you know, the Knights of the Round Table, mm-hmm. we were all there to hold each other accountable. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember some of the, the best teams I was a part of, uh, some of them I actually led, I had the pleasure of leading, I would always take every opportunity to share with the rest of the group how even someone at the lowest level of our team shared something with me that helped me or held me accountable to something. You know, so I think it, it is kind of, again, up to the leader to make sure that they're cultivating that environment as well. And if you're a leader of leaders, it would be a good practice to keep your leaders accountable of how they're receiving feedback from yep. their own people. Um, I don't know if you remember um, talking about what's our number one team as leaders mm-hmm. in the church. Yeah. And we thought it was... Um, those who led us mm-hmm. and the the answer was no your number one team is right here it's yeah. us and it was a nice visual that you did because we were in a circle too yep. so it reminds me a little bit of king arthur i think people thought um i think is what you meant to say but I, I think people thought that the people who were their team were the people that they led oh yes yes yeah. yes yes, yeah. yes and the team was really no everyone else in that room because we were, you know, in a room full of leaders. Right. It's your peers. Yeah, your That's peers. That's your number one team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it also, you know, you do also need to be held accountable by the people you lead as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're a leader of leaders, it would be a great practice 
to keep your leaders accountable of how much they're learning from mm-hmm. your own people. Yeah, absolutely. And how's yes. the discipling? How are they discipling you? How is your character being sharpened by your people? Yeah. Um, because I know we mentioned this before, is there's no us against them. Mm-hmm. And I know it could be very easy, right? It could be very easy, you know, as directors, we could go to a meeting and talk about, oh, back of my site, you know? And it's when you have great leaders that turn it, turn it right back on you. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you doing about yeah. that? And I know for me, I'm very grateful um, for the leaders and, you know, the two nonprofits that I work for, that was actually part of the conversation. You know, part of the conversation was what are you learning from others? And I've I've bumped heads with many executives or leaders um, who told me that, you know, it's important to reflect on how you people see you. And I fought back. I was like, I don't care how people see me. You know, like, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he challenged that. And I hope one day he gets to listen to that or... I would like to challenge myself on this one and reach out to him and <laughs> tell him that his advice of how my people's perspective of me is something that I need to evaluate. I would have been a great resource as I serve my team in the community. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. Uh, so we have absence of trust, number one, fear of conflict, number two, lack of commitment, number three, avoidance of accountability, number four. And at the top of the pyramid is inattention to results, right? The pursuit of individual goals and personal status erodes the focus on the collective success. What does that mean? So that means basically you're not really focused on the goal of the organization. You're focused on your goals, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm going to be the best director ever. I'm going to be the best director ever. We know I love to live here. I want to, you know, like Pokemon, I want to be the very best that no one's ever known. You know, like that whole song, the Pokemon song. Mm -hmm. Pokemon, gotta catch them all. Sorry. Um, Yeah, but you know, the the goal of being the best, you know, not the group succeeding, but individually succeeding. Because maybe you're in a corporation, you're looking to climb the corporate ladder. Right, you don't necessarily care about the welfare of where you're at. You just want to shine so you can move on to the better thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for me, it was reading this book in college. Yeah, bringing it to the YMCA, believing I'm gonna create the best team ever. <laughs> Instead of we're gonna be the best thing we can be for the community. So I'm really glad that you brought this triangle up in this topic. I know we spoke yesterday in our walk, and I was really excited because it totally makes sense. Uh, We know that a lot of times many companies, teams, including churches, could take this triangle and live by it upside down, where we, number one, focus on results, which leads to inappropriate accountability, 
that then has no lasting commitment to unhealthy conflict and absence of trust. And as you mentioned in the walk, absence of trust is so important that we're gonna be talking about this for the next few episodes. Trust, as you said, it is the single most important thing to be addressed in any church. And it must continually be addressed, as we mentioned with the quote from Brene Brown. Trust is something that takes a long time to build and can be destroyed in any moment. So it is something that must be built up continuously. So I'm grateful that we were able to do this episode. We, we have started and, and ended many times, but I'm glad that we get to end right here. Yeah, me too. Adios muchachas. And muchachos. <laughs>